Karma Productions Worldwide, in association with NMD Plus Productions in London and the William Mills Agency, presents Bankadelic from Money 2020, a series of special podcast episodes that feature interviews with some of the people who are making the financial services world and fintech rock. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, and join us for the conversations that took place at one of the premier financial services conventions in all the world. Greetings, everyone. Once again, we are coming to you live from Money 2020 in Las Vegas. Now, it's the oldest expression in the book, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but I'm a podcaster. How can I keep it in Vegas? We've got to let everybody know about this. And today we have a woman from a company that they have been tremendous friends to Bankadelic and can't get them on the podcast enough. We had Tim Hamilton on recently, not all that long ago. And when Christiane let us know about her wanting to appear on the podcast, we absolutely said when how soon can we hook this up and here she is christiane mandraki who is the director of marketing and business at praxent we have a lot to get up to date even though it's been a short time since tim was on the podcast and i thought before we do that tell us a little bit about your role what you do at praxent and then we can get to these developments that you were sharing with me off mic Sure. Um, so I kind of lead the growth side of the organization. So my role is really around um, helping the people who are coming to us with challenges and problems with their technology um, and figuring out how we can help them, what's the best way that we can do it, structuring engagements, things like that. So I'm kind of the busy bee person who's at all of the conferences and things like that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, we've all been busy bees here, but I'll tell you, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> the, the energy is holding up really well when I'm getting a little worn out, and I'm thinking when I get back to Chicago, I'm going to sleep for two days. I think I'm going to sleep for two days, absolutely. Um, we had we were at, we co-sponsored um, Sync Terra's After Dark mm -hmm. uh, event yesterday, and so we were up till like 2 a.m. We all had light-up shoes, and we were dancing around the dance floor, so oh. I'm tired today. <laughs> <laughs> I love the light-up shoes. I went to a party where they were custom-making Nikes for people. That's cool. And so I... I had them making me a pair of Nikes, but with the music background, I was sort of like, can't you do this even crazier? <laughs> and they were like, no, that's what we can do. So I got an all red pair of Nikes, but they don't light up. So that's very cool. Now, there is a FinTech starter app that Praxent is working on. You're excited about it. I am excited to hear about it. And sounds like you have some information to share with us. <laughs> sure. Um, so I guess to kind of kick off the conversation, so Praxent's a services company, right? We do uh, mm -hmm. UX design and, and front-end engineering, fintech integrations, things like that. Um, we're not a product company. We don't want to be a product company. Yes. Um, so we're working with a lot of, uh, call them like headless partners, uh, headless fintech partners rather. Um, so banking as a service companies, I mentioned Syncterra, they're one of our partners, um, digital custodians um, and things like that. Now the the challenge with those products is that they don't have a front end. Well, it's a challenge, actually. It's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have a front end um, that their customers can use. And so um, each, whenever you want to work with one of those companies, you have to kind of build your own design and build your own front end. And that's good because it means that you're differentiating the user experience in some way, ideally. 
Um, so if you're going to launch a neobank or a robo-advisor or something like that, um, you can have your own experience that's different to others. The challenge is there's a bunch of um, table stakes functionality um, that you just have to build, and it's pretty repetitive. It's kind of the same thing, like your KYC and your onboarding and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and none of that is going to really like wow anybody. So the way I would describe the FinTech Starter app is it's the world's most boring neobank or boring robo-advisor. <laughs> and I don't think there's many like people who would market their like product as the most boring, but that's what it is. Um, and the theory is a lot of our customers who are building these, these types of apps, they're spending like 80, 90% of their budget on the table stakes functionality just to get something there yeah. and like 10% on something differentiating, something interesting and like sexy. Yeah. Um, and so we're switching that around. So we're going to be um, providing this to this uh, code base to them uh, upfront, and so that they don't have to invest in that table stakes functionality anymore. Um, they can instead invest their budget on the differentiating features. Um, and so the, the it's uh, it's a it's a code base, and and we're not licensing it any. We're not yeah. doing any of that. We're we're going to provide it to them. It's it's theirs. They own it. Um, and then, because the, the challenge is if you like use like a white labeled front end, something like that, you'll have like a wall here and you want to move the wall, but you can't move that wall. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the benefit of having like a really open code base is you can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we're going to be able to help people um, instead like launch with really differentiated experiences that are really solving um, their, their niche audiences and, and their unmet needs and, and differentiating in, in, in this world. <laughs> That's fabulous. I don't know if it's a proper analogy or not. You'll have to correct me if it's not, but I think <laughs> about Squarespace, for example, and I tried to build a website on it and was extremely frustrated by, you can only do this, but yeah. you can't do this. If you want to move this thing here, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to substitute out a font, no go. And I think about the white labeling thing. It was really their website, but I'm just using it. Sounds like this is yeah. very different because of the flexibility of it. Yeah, exactly. Because I think um, if you look at traditional banking, where you have like uh, you have your core systems, and then you have your sort of like digital banking provider, your mobile banking provider, and loan origination system, those ones, those are all like white labelable products, um, and there's some amount of flexibility in them, but that's kind of where a lot of like the traditional banks are getting a little bit stuck really is they're, um, they're kind of confined by the restrictions of the product as to how much they can customize and create a different experience. And so that's why when you go to a, a lot of kind of like traditional bank websites or, or apps, things like that, you're like, oh, this is the exact same one. I can see that this is mm -hmm. whoever. Um, and so this will allow them to, to move their walls and, and move your Squarespace thing wherever you want to. Mm -hmm. Every idea that is worth its salt in FinTech really traces to a pain point, which is exactly what it sounds like you're describing. I wonder if you have any insight on what the aha moment might have been for the Praxent team. Why do this as opposed to doing something else? Yeah, I think our team are, um, so we're, we're equal parts design and engineering, and uh, especially on like the, the we have um, what we call principal delivery leads. They're, they're a mixture between a project and a product manager. Mm -hmm. And then we have product designers. 
and they were getting frustrated because they really um, they were speaking to people when we when we initially meet them um, they're saying oh, I want to launch a neobank for this very specific use case or like, I want to do this and and so much excitement and ideas were coming up but when they were kind of getting into it, it, it those things kind of like kept falling by the wayside because the, their initial budget for an MVP just to get something out there was just not going to be able to cover like the really differentiating things and so um, honestly I think this is really driven by the, the designers just wanting to do cool stuff <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool stuff. I mean, that's fantastic. I think about, I love Beatles anecdotes, and John Lennon was the most technically inept of the Beatles. He'd go into a recording studio and say, I want things to sound like an orange. But at <laughs> one point, he said to Ken Townsend, one of the engineers, he said, I just don't feel like double tracking my voice. Can you invent something that will save me this time and trouble? And that was where artificial double tracking came up, which is used today by pretty much every recording artist everywhere. So it really, the impetus for Ken Townsend and the engineering team was, oh, we want to make something really cool. And then it came from a pain point, <laughs> albeit a pain point of laziness. Uh, and that's how new things get created. That sounds really exciting what you're describing. Now, moving along, and this sounds like to me it's connected with what you've been doing with the app is this partnership with MX. Tell us a little bit about that and what that involves and why it's a cool thing for Praxin to be doing. Yeah, it's a super cool thing. Um, so we were announced, let's see, was that last month? This month has been a very busy one with conferences. Yeah, so I think it was last month we were announced um, by MX as a certified uh, SDK development partner. Mm. So um, MX, uh, has had similar things, I think, actually. When you have when you have any kind of like white labeled product, it uh, people want to move your walls around. Yeah. Um, and so they decided that they wanted to um, bring in some external parties who could really support their customers in getting the most out of MX and, and its capabilities and creating the best experiences that they can create. Um, so that on the one side, um, the MX engineer and the, the MX team can really focus on the MX product um, and figuring out what's the new innovative thing. And companies like us who are really services minded and we want to work with individual clients and understand um, what their challenges are and how can we specifically help them and where they are. Those are very unique things and they're not always super transferable. Um, and so they can they can have us sort of supporting their customers much more. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So it really is very synergistic, hand in glove very type much. of thing. Now, having all of this insight, and by the way, whatever B word you use, very boring, um, I find it fascinating because really it's about what the end facility is, what the end use is, mm -hmm. and, and moving those walls around is fantastic. That is really what makes a lot of businesses go. We think about what that's like versus the things that really keep banks and fintechs stuck. And sometimes it's because they don't know how, and other times it's because they're making mistakes that they really could easily avoid if they just took a different point of view or stepped back or listened to people, like people on the Praxent team maybe. What do you see as some of those mistakes that are being made uh, repeatedly that could be avoided or that really at this point now, it's time to move out of the comfort zone, do something different? Mm. I think, um 
especially in like banks and credit union kind of land. Um, the way their teams are structured, or the, like, the, the way their organizations are structured, you kind of have like, I'm the lending person, and I'm the digital banking person, and I'm the this person, whatever. And it's kind of, and the, the technology follows that organizational structure, like you have the lending person, man, it like selects and, and manages the, the lending, the loan origination system, and and the, the digital banking person like manages this. Sounds and very the, siloed, actually. It is, um, and and the the marketing team manages the website, but the reality is the um, the customer is not viewing it in that same way. The customer wants to take out a loan, or they want to just get into their their, their banking system and make a payment, and then maybe apply for a loan, mm -hmm. um, or they just want to up. They want to uh, open an account. They're not seeing it as like I'm going to go to the website and then I'm going to go to whatever company's uh, account opening experience, and then I'm going to get taken to a different company's digital banking experience. They don't see it that way. They just want to open an account. Yes, um, exactly. And so I think the challenge is. Um, how can you bring those organizations together? And, and, and in my opinion, I really think that, I don't think technology is really optional at this point. And so I think banks and credit unions um, really need to, to ensure they're hiring like a chief product officer or something along those lines, somebody mm -hmm. who can kind of look at the overall user, like the overall customer journey and, and, and how these things are fitting in so that they can make, um, and somebody with a technology background who can really like analyze the, the these different products that you're using for the future and figure out what's going to make sense and um, and really start to view that holistic customer journey and put the put the user first basically sure and that's brilliant really because people in financial services who have mentored me have tried to impress upon me the idea that look we're all consumers too we all need financial products we know how it goes why aren't we thinking about that instead of all of this inside baseball yeah. and these flow charts that they may look impressive in a meeting, but they're not getting us where we as consumers want to be. Yeah. And there's challenges. I mean, like compliance is a real issue. Oh, um, yeah. And so and you can't like gloss over it. But I do think if you can start with the user first and then try and like negotiate um, on on what you can and cannot do like you'll still be providing a better experience that way mm -hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely this money 2020 seems to be very different from others like the mood on the floor is both from what i've been told people are spending a lot of time on the floor telling me very electric within the booths, but then there's this overriding sense of the economic climate is changing massively. Now that may or may not apply to what I'm going to ask you, but I'm just interested in what you're hearing, what you're seeing on the floor, what you're experiencing from your own point of view that's fascinating to you. Yeah, I um, I agree the, 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 the economic climate is impacting that Obviously, money 2020. There's a ton and a ton of VCs and investors and things like that here, and, and a ton of startups looking to to get funding. Um, and it's a very different experience for them trying to get funding this year than it was last year. Um, but I think it's actually, I think it's because it's more difficult. It does mean that people are having to make sure that their products are much more viable mm -hmm. than they did last time. Um, so I, I think that's one big thing. Um, 
I think generally money 2020 is usually, uh, in my experience anyway, it's been heavily attended by fintechs and VCs um, and the sort of bankers and credit unions representation is usually a little bit lower, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones I've been speaking to that are here are like really just going full on and being either being innovative or moving towards being able to be innovative. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's maybe just the events that I've been to because I've been a lot. I've been to a, a lot of specific happy hours and things. But <laughs> I've been. I've, I feel like I'm hearing so much about um, banks and credit unions wanting to open direct banks and using um, like the side core strategy, getting a, getting a, like a cloud core to. To, to power those things and then like slowly figuring out how to move the rest of their customers over mm-hmm. onto that. And I think um, I'm hearing about that a lot more than I than I have previously because nobody wants to do a core conversion. Like yes. you're going to get fired pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet someone who might actually look forward to that, but I haven't met them yet. One last thing I wanted to ask you, but it may be one of the most important things that we can talk about is your involvement with women in fintech. I am a very big proponent of creating platforms and ways for women to move up in financial services. And it's just really wonderful to hear that you're involved with that organization. Tell me what your role has been within it, what you are trying to espouse and support, and what women in fintech is trying to do in general. Yeah, so Women in Fintech is a community, it's a non-profit community um, of about over 2,500 women, something like that, Um, really all over the US. And when I first got involved, actually, I think the reason I first got involved was because, and I was, so I was, you were talking about women rising up, actually, so Rise Up is is one of Money 2020's programs along with Amplify. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was speaking to that group earlier this week. on Sunday um, about networking and how do you build networks and I was telling them actually about the happy hour that got me involved in women in fintech so I organized this random happy hour for some women because I didn't know anybody when I was going to a conference Mm -hmm. and uh, if there was some like miscommunication that that it was like an official like women in fintech event but it was not and so I ended up (laughs) speaking to the organized to to women in fintech (laughs) that way saying like well apparently I'm already organizing your event so (laughs) Um, uh, but no so I Actually, when I first joined, when I, when I first joined the organization, I took over as head of marketing, um, and there's just so much to do there that uh, I'm now really focusing on. Um, so one of the women on my team, she's taken over uh, mm-hmm. to like really run the marketing, um, and so now I'm really focused on conference partnerships. So that's why we were here with uh, Rise Up program to to work with them, um, and the goal is. I, I mean, I go to a ton of conferences, and uh, I, I said this a year and a half ago, I didn't know a single person in fintech, like, not one. Mm-hmm. And going to conferences was really scary. Yeah. Um, when you don't know anybody, you don't have any community, it, it, uh, and especially if you're not, I don't know, if you're not super extroverted, and I happen to be fairly extroverted, but if you're mm-hmm. not, like, it, it's an intimidating thing to do. Sure. And for me, the thing that sort of catapulted my network was meeting some women who uh, were just really nice to get along with and um, are good friends to this day, but they were so nice to be able to... It's good, like, financial services is really complex. There's so many acronyms for everything, and you just it's hard to ask those stupid questions, but that yeah. community of women I found was my place where I could be like, 
what is that? I have no idea what you guys are talking about because you just told me. Um, and they're always so just super friendly and always willing to help each other out. And so like that's really what the women in fintech um, community is about is is creating that professional network for women. That is fabulous. I think about when I first got into the space and you mentioned KYC earlier. I thought somebody was saying KFC. And I'm like, why are they mentioning Kentucky Fried Chicken in the middle of this banking conversation? And I didn't want to say anything. And I so much identify with when I got into the space and I was not part of the financial space. I was in the arts and entertainment space. I was ashamed, frankly, to ask people, well, what does this acronym mean? Or what does this mm. mean? And it was only because of being in a community of people that made it comfortable to let my guard down and admit how much I didn't know yeah. that I started to learn that you are doing that with women in fintech and with Rise Up I think is wonderful it is very commendable and I wish you the best with that I wish you the best at Praxent and what you're doing there and thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah thank you so much for having me it was a hoot Christian Mendraki is the Director of Marketing and Business at Praxent. She is based in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Be sure to look for Christian on LinkedIn. Thanks again for tuning in to Bankadelic, live from Money 2020 in Las Vegas. We hope you are enjoying this series of special episodes and encourage you to go over to SoundCloud to check out the entire Bankadelic archive. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. On-site production in Las Vegas provided by yours truly and Scott Mills. Special thanks also to Banker Hire and Lemonade LXP as well as our good friends Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery of Dave and Darm Demystify. I'm Lou Carlozo, and as my good friend and associate Johnny DeBig would say, What happens at Money 2020 in Vegas stays at Money 2020 in Vegas. Capiche? Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.